write that, write that down for me, Satan. Write that down for me, Satan. Hi everyone, welcome back to Write That Down. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Nipper. I edit for FightGameMedia.com and I'm a staff writer at WrestlingMissouri.com, F4WOnline.com. I'm back with Japan's leading wrestling historian, author, broadcast journalist, pro wrestling sociologist, Mr. Fumi Saito. We are on part two of our history of All Japan Pro Wrestling's Champion Carnival today. Uh, today we're going to pick up where we left off in part one from last week, 1999-2000 era, around the times when Vader and Kenta Kobashi won the tournament. Uh, throughout this episode today, we also went over the shift in All Japan's ownership as we entered into the Keiji Muto era of All Japan Pro Wrestling, and it featured stars like Genichiro Tenryu and Satoshi Kojima, as well as Muto himself winning the tournament during that era. The era, what we discussed, is... Actually, how that Keiji Muto era of All Japan was basically a mini version of like a New Japan, New Japan Light, New Japan Diet. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. We talk about that in this episode as well. Also, I think some of you out there might be a little excited for this. We also talked quite a bit about Hustle. We talked Hustle uh, since around that time, Keiji Muto would actually wrestle as a great Muta. As a, you know, as a performer, not as a president, not as a business, whatever, he would wrestle for Hustle at Dream Stage Entertainment. Of course, with the Hustle talk, that also leads to the more macro talk and discussion of the dark ages of Japanese pro wrestling around this time as well. Uh, additionally, what else did we talk about? Oh, we also talked about the importance of Minoru Suzuki, the late... Uh, 2000s, like 2009, 2010, when he won the Champion Carnival back-to-back, when he won the Triple Crown, when he basically returned to traditional pro wrestling after founding Pancrase and developing what we call MMA today. He returned back to pro wrestling, and this was the debut of that funky hairstyle that he's got. He still uses and shaves into his head today. He was a part of that legacy too so we also talked about the Junakiyama era from 2013 or so on there's a lot to talk about covered about 20 years of history in about an hour or so so enjoy it and actually I'm really excited for next week too next week I won't spoil it listen for next week's episode it's it's not the usual episode but I'm very excited for it so by the way if you haven't already please subscribe to the Fight Game Media Network podcast feed the free feed on spotify on apple wherever you you listen to your podcast it helps us out very much and i also wanted to mention that i have a book out on amazon called stronger than all it is a digital match guide to all the new japan strong matches from the first two years of the show so there's a sale going on i think it just ended there was a 2.99 sale but i think it's the 4.99 if you're interested in that check it out it's also on kindle unlimited um that is enough of me Let's get into the final part of All Japan's Chipping Carnival and its history, part two. Chippa, we have the thing called Golden Week coming up. That's right. Oh, yeah. The cluster, the clusters and clusters of a national holiday that uh, some people are t- taking 10 days off. 
from starting this coming Friday all the way next week. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's sometimes it depends on the year, but sometimes it's even as early as with you know when the day of we're recording. End of, but the, the following yeah, like uh, the end of this week, Friday, take people taking Friday off, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then the entire week next week. So it's ten days. Oh my gosh. Golden Week is really important to know about, especially when it comes to wrestling, because during Golden There's Week, so many shows. Oh my gosh! I mean, if if you thought the uh, the January fourth time time period was filled with lots of wrestling shows and lots of wrestling centric things to do, I think Golden Week is probably maybe just, just as, as many. Yeah, yeah. Like this coming Friday, Stardom has a big show at the Ota Gymnasium. Mm-hmm. Ota World Gym. The same Saturday as in Sunday, there's like two consecutive nights uh, pro wrestling Noah at the Budokan, Nippon Budokan. Mm-hmm. First night, junior heavyweight, and second night, the the GHC heavyweight. And uh, uh, a lot, a lot of shows are coming up, yeah. It's normal for there to be even, you go to Korokuen Hall, for example, you might be able to catch two shows in one day. Uh, Sundays, of course, noon show and 6.30 show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two different groups, two different so, companies. There's always lots going on, lots of day shows. And, oh, this is when Big Japan usually runs Ueno Park. They run their... Ueno Park? Oh, okay. Yeah, Outdoor. They, they do a day, like, a, you know, I think they run it for, like, a whole week straight. I've been to a couple of those. Uh, they okay. Do, they do a lot of wrestling, right? There's a, a ring, and then there's a kind of moat. It's kind of, it's in the amphitheater in Ueno Park. So they do a lot of... Uh, throwing each other into the water and i remember seeing uh isami kodaka he he hit a home run grand slam and he ran around the entire amphitheater and then pushed i think it was uh, uh saito or something into the moat lots of antics lots of a little more light fun uh wrestling cards instead of serious strong style wrestling cards but yes yeah, so it's already a, like almost like a mid-year holiday season here Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. First week of May is like golden week, you know, completely golden week that the people are out. And, uh, yeah, it's a good season for wrestling. Mm-hmm. A lot of people travel, too. And uh, there's always lots but of... But we're still under COVID influence. Right, right. So yeah. it's a little bit different. A little bit different. Yeah, and then because of COVID, you know, wrestling companies are still struggling, you know, for social distance seating. And if you pack up the house, you still have, you know, in yeah, a way. It's not exactly like it was. Still yeah, kind of... and, but it also this COVID thing last two years, now the third year, you know, going in, uh, it really sped up the process of live streaming of wrestling on the internet that the, you pay, like, a, like your old traditional pay-per-view. That the, that the live card you can watch, but you have to pay live streaming, you know, fee like each and every event, you know. And then sometimes, you know, if you remember this last January's uh, New Japan against uh, New Japan against Pro Wrestling Noah at the Yokohama Arena, they were char- charging like uh, four thousand yen, like forty, you know, like some forty-five dollars to just watch on the internet. Yep. Yep, and, and New uh, Japan that, just did it recently. They had a, a, a event in Chicago, and they right, still, right. They had a pay per view on it. It was you could buy it for like twenty five hundred yen or something, three two thousand yen. Yeah, well, it's still twenty five dollars, you know, right. per show. Yep. On top of your monthly fee, you know, for New Japan World. 
mm-hmm. people already you know you know signed up for it but you have to be you know you have to be able to watch it you know but uh, yeah uh, i think this is, has really becoming the new business model of this era mhm and like you mentioned pro wrestling noah earlier um, i think that wrestle universe has become uh, a, a big player in the uh, Japanese pro wrestling industry and, and talking about yeah, I think so because it wasn't it was basically New Japan's Yokohama Arena show, but it uh, it was like a basically producer or in traditional term, it's a promoter of the that you know the the entire show was the internet company uh, that uh, Abema TV and uh, Wrestle Universe, you know. Thing and Side yeah, it's uh, yeah. So they are becoming, you know, the server and uh, provider of this internet streaming service are becoming wrestling promoters essentially. It's very that's another interesting, sub- yeah, concept huh? to think about. Yeah, yeah, but that uh, that's another subject for another day. And then let's talk about uh, that the new era uh, had you know had begun and and then. We will be watching, you know, all these new spectacular wrestling events through the internet, and less people are attending live card or something. That's right. That's right. Just, yeah. I mean, for not just because too. of only because of COVID, but the, yeah. that was the direction that was going in. Sure, and yeah. uh, and some it's just not a time in everybody's life, COVID or no COVID, where. You can't go to a show or it's just easier for somebody to watch you know through streaming on their phone or on the computer yeah yeah but different i heard day and age. See, yeah different day, day and age and also i felt it was really expensive to pay 40 dollars for this show because you live in tokyo but if you lived in outside or for that matter different parts of the world that's a live card you'll be fed yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because the concerts, mm-hmm. you know, rock concerts are doing it. Like they're charging people like 5,000 yen, 7,000 yen, you know, you got $50, $75 for the concert, live concert. Mm-hmm. But even Road uh, yeah. is even doing that, that Bang Dream. They have their own groups, their idol groups that they're selling. Yeah. Pay-per-views. So, you see, so if you lived in, in Hiroshima or if you lived in Osaka or something, that they, you, you know, if you want to watch a live, you know, live show, that's very useful, you know, you, you know, the, the device that uh, you can be watching li- live concert from any place, you know, in the world for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like we're talking different technology and different era now. Mm-hmm. And the promotion. With this era, yeah. But we still have champ. We we still have champion carnival for the fiftieth year. Fiftieth year of yeah. old Japan Pro Wrestling, but it's actually fortieth uh, or, or like forty first tournament situation, like we talked about last time. Yep. Between nineteen eighty three to nineteen ninety, they didn't have these uh, the, the tournament matches. They just brought in, you know. The Funks, the Stan Hansen, the the Bruiser Brody, the uh, Hardy Race, the Nick Bakwenko, the you know these grand champion current bow is all star show, you know. But uh, they went back to tournament situation in 1991. Then on, they have this term, traditional champion carnival. But really, uh, it it really shows that the, uh, this you know the time period of this you know all, all Japan. 
yeah, kind of. I decided to kind of accept this because accepting is might be the word. Because you know, when you talk about WWE, it is not Hulk Hogan era WWE. It's not even Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels era of WWE. It's not even Stone Cold and Rock era. It's not even John Cena era, right? Mm-hmm. But it's WWE WrestleMania nonetheless. So it's the same way the champion carnival. Okay, did we stop around 2005 or 2006 last time? A little earlier. The part one. Earlier? Little okay, earlier. millennium. Before yeah. Keiji Muto stepped in. Right. Uh, year 1999, Vader won. You know, the, yeah. Vader beat Kobashi for the final. And year 2000, Kobashi beat Takao Omori to win the championship carnival, you know, for the first time. Then... Um, Year 2001, the Misawa and his people and his guys, 20 wrestlers and and referees to ring crew to office front office staff, everybody left, got on uh, Norzak and and then uh, start shipping to you know to the different side of the ocean and they created Pro Wrestling Noah, right? And 2001, Tenru won. You know, Tenru came. It was signed by. When, Mrs. Baba, and came back to Old Japan progressing first time in what, uh, 12 years or so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tenru, aged Tenru, but he won a championship carnival 2001. And 2002, Keiji Muto came in, mm-hmm. and he won a, a champion carnival for the first time, beating uh, Satoshi Kojima. It sounds like a New Japan match, but uh, yeah. Kojima and following the one who yeah. left New Japan with... Um with Muto. Yeah, Kojima and Kendo Kashin at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he brought in the, the, the office, front office employee with him and took over the company. But it, it, there was an existing wrestling company, All Japan Pro Wrestling office staff. Then uh, Muto, 2002 version of Muto finally met all these existing office people that the All Japan company staff. And uh, he was going, wow, nice to meet you, right? Because it was almost like, uh, that was like a, um, 2002, 2003, 2004, that the pro Japanese pro wrestling entering into dark age, you know, I don't, I don't want to repeat it, but it was. And uh, it, 2003 was the year Ricky Choshu left and created his new Double J, if you remember, mm-hmm. uh, World Japan Pro Wrestling. Short-lived, but uh, of all people, Ricky Choshu and, you know, uh, Kensuke Sasaki and, and the, the Ricky Choshu portion of New Japan left. And back in 2000, Hashimoto and like Shinjiro Otani or Tatsuhito Takaiwa, the, you know, that Hashimoto's portion of New Japan had already left and created I started their that uh, zero one company right, mm-hmm. and Muto took Kojima and 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 Kendo Kashin with them and came to old Japan. It all looked like like there was like a three or four spin off New Japan at the time. Mm. Does it was, that make sense? Fractured, yeah. It was, you know, you had Riki Dozan at first, and that fractured into two camps. You had Baba and you had Inoki, and from but those that, are two kings that from, you know from that made you sense. know. Mm-hmm. From Inoki's camp after that, when he moved on into the Dark Ages and moved on to the MMA side, uh, Pretty much. that group 
split into four at least we had uh, zero one we had muto's all japan all japan we had double j ricky toshi's group and 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 then in the dark age and then there was like a big contract salary you know that the guarantee cut within new japan pro wrestling in 2003 2004 about 12 wrestlers quit like you know like an osamu nishimura the you know yoshie the hero saito the one by one they looks like a new japan logo still existed liger's still there but uh you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi, the Shinsuke Nakamura, they were still young lions at the time. Interesting era, you know, if you look back. But it was a dark age, you know, that the company, New Japan, didn't split because they were popular, that the, the people left and started their own, you know, new wrestling company because they were hurting. Does that make sense? And it seemed like at that time there was so much pressure on a company like New Japan to have wrestlers sort of mimic what was going on in Pride and K1 instead of doing a more traditional, what we call traditional pro wrestling style. For example, what Keiji Muto and Satoshi Kojima were doing, what they did in 2002 is pretty much the same as what they do in 2022. It didn't use any of the mixed martial arts elements or the UWF elements, we could call them, the more... Uh, what turned into MMA. shoot shoot style pro wrestling style pro wrestling oh, yeah, they, they have that was style. the first one to really stick with your you know craft with the traditional pro wrestling but he is one of the very few people that are uh, confident doing it that i mean whole... he has to kind of wear that too i mean that's one of the defining moments in his career is he was the almost like the protector of that those ideas that style that way of thinking that way of wrestling Yes and no, because 2004, that uh, when you were still with All Japan Pro Wrestling, a thing called Hustle started in 2004, remember? Oh, no. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, the Hustle was backed, capital, you know, money, you know, backed by DSE, Dream Stage Entertainment, which is the owner of Pride, Mm. and that uh, the DSE, Dream Stage Entertainment Company, the, the running Pride, they had so much money, they thought they could take over traditional pro wrestling world too. And of all people, you know, like the 1990s, you know, UWFI superstar, and he was a king of pro wrestling, Nobuhiko Takada, right? And there was two fight that uh, Nobuhiko Takada against Hickson Gracie, <clears throat> 97, 98, two years in a row at the Tokyo Dome, packed. And then you hope of pro wrestler, you know, Takada pretty much lost. And that was when people started leaning toward more and more MMA. Mm-hmm. That's the thing now, you know. And uh, UWF didn't do it. You know, UWF was, you know, very innovative, shoot style pro wrestling, nonetheless, pro wrestling, right? But when. Uh, Outside, like K1, it started at K1, meaning kick, karate, and, and the kickboxing. And, you know, it's like kind of like, a, you know, your F1 motor, motor sports or G1, the grade one. But the K1, meaning that the, it was a kickboxing karate. It, it was a kickboxing company. But they were 
you know, producing MMA you know, matches. So like K1 is also MMA company, Pride is MMA company, then there's another company called Dynamite Starts with with Nokia's executive producer, and it's just crazy era. And of all things, the, the this fighting opera uh, that the entertainment pro wrestling hustle started, and you know if you remember Nobuhiko Takada with Hitler costume. <laughs> that's yeah i don't think when i first saw that that wasn't how i interpreted it but uh when you explain it as that it mm, yeah it's it's no good that it, i mean he went from being this probably one of the most popular wrestlers in the country coolest most serious representing a serious style to whatever he was doing in hustle was just like uh it's what you see on late night comedy shows yeah it they twisted you know, feeling of like a pro wrestling stigma or something, right? Kind of like a parody of American wrestling. Yeah. They, like they, sports they went, entertainment yeah, ideas. But it was so like extreme almost that uh, really... Um, it was cartoonish. Yeah, that too. But they had money. So all Japan... President at the time, Keiji Muto, he switches into Great Muta and worked hustle shows. The, one of the most serious pro wrestlers of, of our time, Toshiaki Kawada of All Japan, he dressed up like Bruce Lee and, and changed his name, ring name into Dangerous K and worked hustle shows. Mm-hmm. And people like Tenru, Riki Choshu, they all worked hustle shows because they can pay you. That's how bad the dark, you know, dark age of professional wrestling was. And to give a, a listeners a more of a flavor idea of what the flavor of hustle was, we had a lot of freelance pro wrestlers that used to be names or, or stars like Keiji Muto, but you also saw uh, fighters from what we mentioned earlier, like the Pride and K1. We saw them transition into this kind of pro wrestling. Uh, yeah, like a Bob Sapp. Bob Sapp, Mark Coleman, um, yeah, uh, Kevin Randleman, and they, yeah. it, was, it was kind of their first uh, dives into like that pro wrestling sort of thing, and it was not uh, without actually without the pro- proper professional wrestling training yeah. though. It was like a playing pro wrestling. Yeah, and it was very. Um, there were some segments like with monsters. It was like a monster army, and there were some special effects. There was. <laughs> High budget. It was it was pretty high budget. Yeah, because for... they had money to play with, mm. you know. And uh, the lot of wrestlers were, uh, you know, working. In, in, I'm, I'm talking about traditional pro wrestlers like a, like a Kanemura from you know former FMW star. You know, he worked the show. Uh, Aja Kong, you know, you one of the most serious you know female pro, pro wrestlers of, of our time. Aja Kong was working that, you know. And uh, it was a really, really strange atmosphere. But anyway, that uh, great Muta worked the show, and you know, people like Riki Choshu or Tenru they come in and work the show, and they put uh, like a comedian in the ring and have a match with them, you know. And a uh, lot of the things that wouldn't be allowed, you know, like it wouldn't happen in in a traditional pro wrestling environment, they were doing it, you know. And they were pretty popular for a while. You know, and uh, yeah, they, 
like 2004 all the way to 2009, probably like for a five year period they existed. And, uh, but then we will talk, we'll probably talk about hustle because we, we had to touch upon hustle because it was also another in epitome or great example of what the dark age of professional wrestling was in, in Japan. In the meantime, old Japan, new Japan existed, struggled, but they had, old Japan kept having champion carnival every year. That's what we're talking about this year. I mean, mm-hmm. right now. Uh, 2003, Kojima beat Kawada you know, for the first time and won uh, uh, now all Japan wrestler, right? Kojima won the uh, champion carnival for the first time. Then two, in the following year, Muto won. Uh, Muto beating Kensuke Sasaki. But uh, Keiji Muto against Kensuke Sasaki uh, sounds like a New Japan card, right? It definitely does. It's kind of like a WCW with, uh, you know, WWE the former wrestlers. WWE guys, right, right, pretty much so, yeah. Um, and how did people and, feel about that? Did people view it as a, a authentic All Japan match, even though uh, uh, there are big? Uh, that's what probably Muto didn't realize that. I, you know, didn't notice that either until he started working. There, there are very loyal New Japan fan base, such right, and there are very loyal All Japan Pro Wrestling fan base that they've watched giant baba era jumbo tsura era the misawa era that the logo with this globe logo with Jap- japanese map on it and all japan you know the logo is very important in japan that uh, the fans fan base are real loyal and also new japan uh, even within the traditional pro wrestling style that the all japan style and new japan style pretty different right sure yeah, because yeah, it's a giant Baba school of wrestling and Anthony Inoki school of wrestling. And clearly, clearly that uh, uh, Keiji Muto come from Anthony Inoki school of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, in 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, that, that's what they're doing in, in, in all Japan environment. And yeah, we, that, uh, see, as long as you have Keiji Muto against Kawada or Keiji Muto against Tenru, those are dream matches. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, we should probably talk at least a little bit about the uh, Muto Tenru matches from this time too, because they were 2002. Oh, match of the year. Oh, pretty... 2001 then. They, they did have two matches. I forget. One was a Champion Carnival match. One was uh, a, a winter match. I forget when it was, but um, they these two were both thought to be maybe past their prime or just past their prime or but still um, good though very still good, good but they they were entering a new stage both of them this was the early days of bald goateed keijimuto right the new um, version of keijimuto tenru was doing top rope frankensteiners in the match and planchas yeah yeah he was having yeah. his terry funk moments um yeah, yeah pretty pretty match so. of the yeah. year yeah, it was a great match, 2001. Then 2002, it was really exciting that, the, you know, almost like a skeleton, old Japan, that the Muto appears and, you know, take over company as his like, savior, right? Mm-hmm. And please, Keiji Muto, save this old Japan pro wrestling. But instead, it looked almost as if it was like a, another spin of New Japan pro wrestling, calling it old Japan. Mm. Yeah, 
So see, all Japan fan base is more loyal to that the whole atmosphere. You know, you have Giant Baba is no longer there, but you remember Giant Baba style jumbo to the Misawa feeling of a Kobashi feeling of a Kawada. You know, he creates the atmosphere, right? And Tenru fits right in because he was all Japan product. Mm, he was there. Yeah, yeah, he was there. Yeah, he took his own, you know, journey, and he came, you know, came just around the world twice, and then came back, kind of thing. Very interesting but, uh, story, and he and he mended the relationship with Mrs. Baba. And Mrs. Baba, the Tenru was the first person Mrs. Baba wanted to call. And he he picked up a phone, and then just one conversation over the phone, he really mended, right? I'm it's back. Very interesting. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, like he's a man, kind of thing, right? Hmm. Yeah, so people believe in that. And, but the, the product becoming, see, they, I talked about this in, in, in other places too, but the, when all Japan pro wrestling fan, such a loyal fan base, right? In, you know, in January, you have Giant Series. That's the name of the tour, right? Mm-hmm. And followed by, you know, like Excite Series. You have Superpower Series. Then you have Champion Carnival. And you have Summer Action Series Part 1 and Summer Action Series Part 2. And you have you know, the fall version of Giant Series. Then you have Real Tag Team Tournament. It's like an event calendar. Much like when you say January, you have Royal Rumble, right? Mm-hmm. In spring, you have WrestleMania. When summer comes, it's SummerSlam. And, and, and in Thanksgiving, you have Survivor Series. So we do have this, you know, like a set feeling of the... Uh, you know, the name of the events in the tour, those, those are very important things. But uh, Muto's people who came in from Old Japan office, I mean, New Japan office, and then started working at the Old Japan uh, Pro Wrestling Company, that they they dropped all the names of the, those tour. Mm. They should have kept it. Instead, they had that uh, battlefield, this and this, and this, you know, this is a new tour name right and I'm, I'm sure they meant well but uh it really worked against them does that make sense it didn't feel like all japan it felt like uh keiji muto is all japan it felt like his vision of what he wanted An- another to spin-off of new japan pro wrestling right right yeah and then as early as 2003 you know the you know just a year after muto took over the company there was a budokan show that the triple crown title match, that the great Muta against Shinya Hashimoto. Does that sound? Does that sound like a New Japan match? It sounds like a mid '90s headlining match in New Japan. Yeah, and then, then it's a old Japan pro wrestling great Muta against Shinya Hashimoto. The Muto pretty much, you know, started working conjunction with Zero One Company right away, you know, and that was a method that uh, Muto knew how to produce, huh? And uh, the more New Japan-ish influence was there, then it started looking less and less like what All Japan should be. Mm -hmm. He also had uh, Kaz Hayashi by his side, and I think... Yeah, from because they met in the 2000, year 2000 WCW era. Mm -hmm. And you would gradually start to see more and more of a... High flyer or luchador's influence in all Japan, which is it's not what you would usually see from all Japan. That was usually where you would see in you know New Japan. 
Uh, like a top of the Super Junior or the over yeah. the super, top Super High Junior. Impact, the... International style. You you wouldn't often see that in all Japan, or you wouldn't see it as showcased as much. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, but it was already done. It's 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 a history. We're talking about things from 18 years ago. That uh, Muto against Kensuke Sasaki was the champion carnival final 2004, and following year that uh, 2005 Kensuke Sasaki and Jamar uh, was uh, champion. You know, uh, champion carnival tournament final. Jamar that uh, later on he become Umaga, right? Mm. Yeah, different era. Different era. Taiyo, yeah, yeah, he was. He, was uh, he wrestled with the President Trump, and uh, he could have been one of the biggest names. He was a very special wrestler. Yeah, yeah. So you see, Keiji Muto still wanted to bring in existing American superstar that's not signed under WWF. You know. Mm. Yeah, it yeah. was. Jamal was there, and, and Rosie was here too. Um, both guys, unfortunately, are not no longer with us. But they were like a very prospect. They were going to be superstar, you know, sooner or later. But uh, yeah, Keiji Muto still wanted to bring in a group of American wrestlers. You know, he brought in a, a handful of wrestlers that uh, I, I don't know if he had personal connections with all of them, but they weren't. Yeah, like you said, they weren't uh, talents that were signed with. WWE or WCW at the time, right? A lot of free agents from the independent. Yeah, but the WCW already went down in in March of two thousand one, though. Right, so it was a interesting mix of uh, guys who yeah existing talent. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Oh yeah, yeah. They brought in like uh, John Tenta. John Tenta's last matches were in all Japan around this time. Or or just incredible, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, so it was like a very interesting time period that uh, so Muto's version of All Japan went on uh, a lot like New Japan spin-off, but pretty much that <clears throat> was the only way he, you know, Keiji Muto knew uh, how to produce, right? Yeah. That was the style, yeah. It was... wasn't quite Dory Funk and Terry Funk or Mill Maskers or Harley Race or... See, Interesting enough that the Harley Race was part of Pro Wrestling Noir as, as an advisor. Right. He, more, he, uh, more of a giant Baba school of wrestling. Some of the uh, trainees trained at Harley Race's school and they were sent over to Pro Wrestling Noir. Early, early Pro Wrestling Noir stars, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Superstar Steve or, yeah, the people from St. Louis and Kansas, right. At the time, the, the, all Japan, oh, he, the Keiji Muto brought in people like Don Fry, too. Mm -hmm. New Japan wasn't using him anymore, but he's a big enough name. And, uh, it, well, they brought in Goldberg, remember? That's right, that's right. Mm -hmm. But Gold, 2002, 2003, 2004 version of Goldberg still wouldn't go down, right? Right. Yeah, so it was like uh, made the matter even worse, I guess, <laughs> in hindsight. Yeah. So, I mean, one way you could think about it, here's how I think about it. I think about it like it, this version of All Japan was probably what would have, what New Japan would have been like if it didn't take the MMA-centric route that year or those those early years of the Dark Ages. I think 
if uh, if that wasn't the predominant style that they wanted to do creatively in New Japan at the time, I think that what we saw in the All Japan Keiji Muto's version or vision of All Japan, I think that's what we could probably have expected. It's what we would have seen if New yeah, Japan all was stayed traditional pro wrestling. wrestling, but people weren't into it at the time. That right, it, not, it that was out of style entirely, entirely Keiji Muto's fault at the time. Mm-hmm. No, it was he, absolutely. Instead, he stuck with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, uh, but as a result, traditional pro wrestling suffered, you know. Mm. Yeah, such a dark age. Yeah, yeah. We had dark age of pro wrestling in you know in the millennium millennium into two thousand seven or eight. You know, yeah. You know, one positive thing, uh, or or. Uh experience or event series of events we could look at from this is that during this time in all japan and during these champion carnivals satoshi kojima really came out and and became uh uh, really who who we see him as today because before he had top uh, talent yeah yeah in new japan he he was uh he was there but it wasn't the same he wasn't uh, a single Uh, guy kojima and 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 the tenzan like uh probably second or third from top Mm-hmm. Yeah. But never, yeah. never quite the, the top guy. And I don't know if it he would have had that chance at the time or not. It didn't. See, I, it's like and we were also, talking about. when the company's not doing great, uh, that the major company would work together. And one Tokyo Dome card, if you remember, Kojima and younger young uh, that uh, Shinsuke Nakamura had a double title match, IWGP against Triple Crown at the Tokyo Dome. Mm-hmm. And they even did the 60-minute time limit match, too. And again, it was that kind of... Uh, New Japan was fighting. also suffering. It, but you could see in the ring, it was the, the UWF style versus the Keiji Muto New Japan style. Again, that, that through line. Uh, but the, the, Shinsuke Nakamura was a new star to be. and uh, That's true, too. Was, yeah, we, uh, we hoped, you know, we had to wait another few years until you know, Shinsuke Nakamura become a real, real big superstar, but uh, he had it right from the beginning. Yeah, it didn't yeah. have the same way as it probably would now, but uh, yeah. Yeah, around the same time period that the New Japan had people like younger Brock Lesnar and you know, half, you know, the, the TNA version of Cart Angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, if he was like in different time period, that uh, Brock Lesnar against Kurt Angle in Japan would have been a big, huge hit. Sure, yeah, and, yeah. and Kurt Angle or any did, matchup. Kurt Angle did uh, have his moments in, in Japan for sure, and, and Brock Lesnar did too. But against each other, yeah, I don't probably around this time. If it was in different time period, it would have been much, much bigger, though. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh you yeah. Know? Yeah. And then, and then in 2005, New Japan, Inoki, you know, sold his 51% of uh, stock to Yuke's company, that uh, the game company, and it really became another different company. Mm-hmm. Same New Japan, but the company structure changed. And uh, it was sort of end of an era. Same New Japan, but it's the same as old Japan. Same logo, same old Japan, but it's... Uh, drastically different from what it used to be very different feeling different style in the ring uh, it was it was just different 
Yeah, yeah. Different foreign, but, different foreign talents, different kinds of re- styles of wrestling went through its own. Yeah, heritage. and Inoki was also running a thing called UFO. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, UFO, not an unidentified flying object, but it was a um, universal fighting organization or something like that. Yeah, UFO. Then into Inoki, uh, what, what's that? The, not the DNA, but the Inoki Genom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. IG, IGF, IGF study. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Inoki, Antonio Inoki was still producing pro wrestling and MMA kind of, you know, that the company, uh, that's different from New Japan, you know. It's interesting that, uh, that uh, you know, when Inoki sold New Japan and his stock to Yuke's company, they did not have uh, non compete clouds or something, right? Hmm. Yeah, because Inoki started another company right away. Aside from New Japan Pro Wrestling. But that made this whole dark age of professional wrestling in Japan more chaotic too. Yeah, it didn't seem like anybody was in charge. And also, you know, even after Inoki sold his stock to Yuke's company and not part of New Japan anymore, but... uh, not uh, IWGP physical championship belt was moved to Inoki's company, and actually, Brock Lesnar worked both you know New Japan and Inoki's company at the same time. It was a really, really, really confusing time, mm. yeah. But we're still talking about Champion Carnival and the history of it, and it went through, and not once they stopped doing Champion Carnival tournament. They stopped again. What do you mean? Is that what you're saying? No, no, they never stopped Champion Carnival. All Japan existed, popular or not, you know? Hmm. Kensuke Sasaki won the uh, Champion Carnival, and then uh, Muto beat Kawada again in 2007, and then uh, if <clears throat> New Japan had rookie, like, uh, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Ruki Shinsuke Nakamura that the Muto broke in people like Swama, you know? Right. Who was supposed to be like this yeah, new jumbo. Yeah, yeah. And then the college wrestling champion and the big guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Legitimate and, uh, background, bigger than the average guy. Yeah, and then I mean, now it's 2022 and Swama had already participated in the All Japan Championship Carnival 16 times. Wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's just, just as much as Jumbo Truda did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it was like a pr- product of the time that uh, he didn't have very good rookie year. You know, it, it wasn't treated as a rookie that uh, they wanted to put Swama on, on the close to top position right from the get-go. It just wasn't the right time. Again, it was he was one of those uh, characters who he came at a time where that style of wrestling wasn't as highly valued as I guess you would say it is now. Because, but he survived again. He survived. That, uh, he's still here. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just like a, these are the like a various you know interesting pieces of puzzle. You know, when we talk about dark age of 
you know, Japanese pro wrestler that uh, ended up talking, you know, what was bad about it. But uh, no, everybody had their part, you know, that there was a rookie and, and the veterans and Keiji Muto, the Tenru, the Kawada, the, you know, they were working two different companies at the same time. They worked Hustle, they worked All Japan. And uh, yeah, it just, uh, that was the kind of time it was, you know. And yeah, 2007 was also the year that, uh, you know, our magazines like a Weekly Fight and the Gong magazine both went out of business. And 2007, that the Weekly Pro Wrestling Baseball Magazine show was really struggling and I got big pay cut. And uh, if you don't take this frame of, you know, new, new you know, pay structure, you can leave. And I, I personally, I'm not talking about myself, but uh, most of the guys stayed with the magazine with a huge pay cut, you know, and I stayed another seven years after that. And 2007 was the year I got sick, you know? Yeah. The really dark ages. It was not a great time. Yeah. But uh, Minoru Suzuki came in 2009 and won the championship, you know, champion right. 2009 yeah. and 2010. He's back with traditional pro wrestling. It's a bright side of it. Yeah. He sort of had, the, yeah, he, he re-entered pro wrestling and, and became, he was triple crown champion. He won two champion carnivals. Um, it led uh, All Japan into another era a couple years later, but he was probably at the forefront of that. And it, it was kind yeah, of... Yeah, like we, like we talked in the beginning of this episode, that the 2010 All Japan Pro Wrestling Champion Carnival final, and the, the tournament final was Minoru Suzuki against Masakatsu Funaki. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. traditional pro wrestling. You know, both were fo- founder of Pancras, but back to uh, traditional pro wrestling. And Minoru, it's another era of, you know, Minoru Suzuki, you know, had begun. And uh, yeah, um, she was just as, you know, good as uh, the fresh superstar, you know. It's like uh, he started another chapter of his wrestling career. And I think that version that we saw in All Japan in the late 2000s, early early 2000s, early 2010s was pretty much the version or the early version of what we see today. The pro wrestling Oh, Minoru Suzuki? Yeah, Traditional pro wrestling version. And with the hairdo too, you know? With the hair, yeah. With the funky hair. Yeah. And he also went to pro wrestling in Norway and worked a few years there too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Before New Japan run. Yeah, Suzuki-gun, yeah. And what's interesting, 2011, All Japan's Championship Carnival, the winner was Yuji Nagata of New Japan Pro Wrestling, beating then-rookie Seiya Sanada. Oh, my gosh. Sanada, the same Sanada of New mm-hmm. Japan Superstar now. It all yeah. still sounds like a, a New Japan show New, New Japan matchup, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to yeah. spend some time over there. He was tag team champions with Akiyama, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All Asia tag so. team champions, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there so, was a lot of uh, interplay between New Japan and All Japan. You'd often but see... like we said, when the business is good, big two big companies don't necessarily work together. Mm-hmm. They were struggling, right? Therefore, they're working together. But uh, nonetheless, the former IWGP champion Nagata came in and and, and, and won uh, All Japan's traditional champion carnival tournament in year two thousand eleven. You know, it's, an, it's like a almost end of the 
dark you know age of professional wrestling because following year 2012 suama won and uh at, uh championship you know champion carnival tournament it's more like a genuine old japan uh new era you know began in 2013 akiyama and his guys five six guys like including shiozaki and aoki they had you know like a signing falling out with progressing in or and migrated back to old japan they didn't go to new japan but uh, it's like a, yeah Progressing no in old Japan, still kind of like relatives, right? Sure, <laughs> you know? sure, yeah. cousins or something. Yeah, yeah cousins. Yeah, again, the styles are similar, you know, more mm-hmm. similar than uh, what what you'd be working in New Japan with, you know. And uh, Akiyama and Shiozaki came in, and and and, uh, and uh, sure enough, to, you know, Champion Carnival of 2013, Akiyama won the tournament, beating Kai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And around that time was when. Akiyama took over and became president, and the official name was changed, at least within the business paper. All, all Japan changed. Pro Wrestling Company, yeah, another company body. We, they still had the same logo at the wrestling show, but it was not a Giant Baba and Mrs. Baba's All Japan, or it was not even Keiji Muto's, you know. Yeah, that uh, they had to have, you know, outside, you know, uh, IT company they call it, you know, like a more internet, internet and a new media oriented money came in as a big sponsor to support uh, that uh, running cost of wrestling company, you know, annually. And uh, yeah, if you remember somebody like Shiraishi, you know, is a long forgotten name, but uh, that guy, you know, was a trigger that the Muto and his guys left. And the Muto started the second version of Wrestle One Company. That was also 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that on, this is 2014, 15, 2016, getting closer and closer to what we see today. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you you know you have, you know, Kento Miyahara, that the, uh, the Suama, the Shuji Shikawa, the yeah. Or some some year they even had the people like a super tiger working, and uh, Zeus, you know, became full time. Yeah, he came in and became full time with All Japan for the time being, and uh, Jake Lee, uh, you know, the former MMA fighter became full time professional wrestler. Now it's today's Zeus. I mean, today's Jake Lee. He's a All Japan superstar, right? Oh, he's like uh, you know, top uh, top guy, top uh, like a Roman Reigns type. Jay White right now, yes, yeah. So, so time has gone by, and I'm glad it's like all just a fresh superstar faces, you know, the Jake Lee, the Kento Mihara, of course. And uh, yeah, it's a completely new era that uh, they survived, they survived, and and uh, not, not nearly as popular as 90s old Japan pro wrestling, but uh, yeah, uh. All Japan Pro Wrestling as it is, it survived. The, the, the new roster, though. See, today's, like, compared to WWE, you know, you have, you know, Roman Reigns, the, you know, the Seth Rollins, the, you know, they were today's star, you know, that Jake Lee, the Kento Miyahara, the, uh, it has it have to be them the doing this, this, you know, today's version of All Japan Pro Wrestling. It can't be they the- will have to, 
yeah, they will have to carry this company uh, to the next generation. Yeah. Mm, and I think they're in good hands. It's it's a similar, what can we call it, a similar system to the traditional Japan style of bringing up some of the talents from the amateur ranks. So younger guys, really young guys like Yuki Honda or Ashino, Shotaro Ashino. College they, champion? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They have they have legitimate backgrounds and they wrestle in that sort of hard-hitting, old-school, 1970s NWA, big boy yeah, style and then, of wrestling. Yeah, uh, not much of storyline or big angles or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, where they stand, like uh, even the baby face and heels, that, uh, those characters are very subtle. You know, it's almost like individual wrestlers, you know, that the rivalry is like, uh, you know, like sport, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a little and more fans change too, you know, that, uh, 10, you know, this last 20 years that the fans also aged 20 years too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. With Tajiri in charge of some of the creative, you can tell that there's some. He is in, in, in he's in, in creative here, yeah. but along with people like. At uh, Shuji Ishikawa, mm-hmm. another yeah, uh, it's more of a committee uh, of the production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Champion Carnival. I'm trying to think of anything else that we might have missed uh, from uh, from around these time periods, but that was pretty much it because the Champion Carnival, while it's been around, it's uh, it's not as prestigious, I suppose, as it used to be because all Japan has, has struggled, but again, they've survived. But Yeah, well, we have to support this era of all Japan, pro wrestling as it is. <clears throat> it is great, and I, I, I can't, I can't uh, stress that enough. I, I think it's, personally, it's one of my favorites to watch when I have oh, time. Good wrestlers and good really matches. good young wrestlers. It's just not yeah. marketed enough, you know? No, that, uh, and then I kind of know the reason that New Japan has over 100 company employees in at office, you know, that are doing the, the, the marketing and the, the merchandising and, and the running 100 shows a year. And this and that, just New Japan is such a big company under Bushiro Capital, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, all Japan pro wrestling have what 10 office 10 employees, 15. yeah, all together. And they're still running full time schedule, but not nearly as well marketed. <clears throat> it's still very um, uh, in house production. Yeah, if they, you know, this Jake Lee or Kento Miyahara or, or the, the Ashino, you know, Shotaro Ashino for that matter, that if they appeared on like a, you know, video games or something, mm-hmm. or the, the different kind of marketing needed that to make them look like more of a superstars you know miyahara has been on a lot of non-wrestling shows uh, the past year or two a lot of uh, local variety shows or game shows uh, uh um, i don't know what they're called the call-in appearances yeah yeah um but not the all japan pro wrestlers all japan stars are not nearly as household you know household no. name as new, new japan people no they're very new a lot of them are they're either close to rookie sophomore types or um they're just they haven't had the chance to be in front of a lot of people yet 
Yeah, and then uh, merchandising and, and uh, see when New Japan runs Tokyo Dome or the, the or big shows like G1 Climax type of thing, you see their posters on trains and subways. Oh yeah, they're plastered they have, everywhere. Yeah, because you have Bushiroad money and they're marketing, you know, machine tools. Yeah. And uh, if all Japan had, you know, this, this strong marketing, you know, uh, strategy that they can become much bigger star because wrestlers are there and quality of wrestling is really high, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, Jake Lee can be as badass superstars who Masachono was. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I see. I see the similarity. I see the mm-hmm. similarity. Mm-hmm. Like a heel faction, but cool guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's he's in this uh, new category of popular wrestlers in Japan, the Ikemen heel. Like Oh, Jake Lee? Yeah. Jake oh, Lee, yeah. He, much Jay bigger White, star, like, next year. Yeah. They kind of look like uh, cartoon uh, villains, but they're also really handsome. Yeah, and a cool guy. Yeah. 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 Like the top villain. This is a look. This is a very specific look that these guys have that uh, has the uh, the large appeal right now. Right, but uh, we still have to recognize that uh, see, way back in the 80s and 90s, that uh, New Japan and Old Japan, two major league of professional wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. We have to count it like New Japan Pro Wrestling Noir and Old Japan Pro Wrestling and company like DDT. They are pretty big for what they are and marketed differently and they have their own loyal fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for women's professional wrestling side, you know, stardom is so much bigger than the rest, you know? Right. And uh, the biggest roster, and they marketed well, and they have network television shows, and uh, they have Rossi Ogawa, of course. And uh, uh, women's side, yeah, stardom is so dominant right now. But the All Japan, well, this is still All Japan Pro Wrestling. I have faith in it. And, uh, yeah, I'm just hoping that uh, uh, they'll get bigger, you know. There's a newer company, uh, uh, what's it, Nomads, a women's company. Have you heard about that? Uh, uh, what's her name? Natsume. Sumiri Natsume. Uh, Natsume. Yeah? Her, yeah, did you, have you done anything about that? Yeah, yeah, but this is like a 15 different women's company in, in, uh, in one um, yeah, um, they uh, just like you know, with you know, internet streaming service, like in the English speaking world, Tokyo Joshi is equally big, right? But they're not really, right? Right, yeah. So we're living in a different era, so uh, maybe a whole new group of new stars will be marketed. As a as a new stars in a new major company or something that uh, we still don't know yet, and uh, yeah. A lot of things can happen. So that kind of wraps it up for, for the history of the Champion Carnival, unless we left anything out. It's still taking place right now, yes. It is still taking place right now, hasn't been, but it'll, uh, they'll probably have the finals in May. So Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, all, all Japan, uh, this, this 2020s, all Japan, 2020s, New Japan, they have different face on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. And yeah. the G1 has become the more popular, celebrated, more celebrated 
round robin tour. Oh, the champion carnival. Seems yeah, so. It's yeah. just because of the company and the and the status of the company is just more popular. But uh, and also they run big houses like you know the the Nippon Budokan three days you know three consecutive dates at, at Nippon Budokan that no other company can do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, every single night at you know New Japan's G1 Climax and back to summer schedule now that uh, every single night is a big big event. Yeah. Although it was nice to see there were some All Japan stars at the Korokuen show, 60th anniversary show. Oh, oh, oh Korokuen Hall show, yeah. Yep. Uh, but uh, if you remember the that the you know finale at the end, you know, at the end of the night, Kento Miyahara and Tanaha, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi standing together in the ring, it, it looked as though still today. Tanahashi is much bigger star than uh, Kento Miyahara. Mm. It wasn't quite equal, though. I see. Yeah. And also, it, it revealed the fact that Kento Miyahara dressed like his costume is much like Tanahashi's. He's always been a, a little bit Tanahashi. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of, yeah. He was, you know, well, he wouldn't deny the fact that he was a Tanahashi fan. You know, as a rookie, mm-hmm. yeah. I saw him when he, as a rookie yeah. uh, in the yeah. Akiyama. Him, he was—he <clears throat> looked like Mini Tanahashi. He, it wasn't the same Miyahara we see today. It was, uh, like, yeah, like, of course, uh, they're more confident. He's a—he makes great triple crown champion, but the the, the page needs to be turned another page. You know what I'm saying? Mm, mm. Then he'll become much bigger superstar on on his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still waiting. Yeah, it's it's tough with um with the company being so small. Smaller, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's still all Japan, nonetheless. That's right. So I'll, I'll have a faith in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So if anybody has questions or comments on the Champion Carnival or anything else, where can they reach you? Or anything on Japanese wrestling, we're yeah. here to answer all the questions if you can. Or not Japanese wrestling. That's okay too. Uh, that too. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Fumihiko Dayo, F U M I H I K O D A Y O Fumihiko Dayo on Twitter, or just Fumi Saito on Facebook, and message me first. I'll answer it. And uh, yeah, um, I've been on other podcasts too lately that uh, I can make an appearance, I guess, and. Uh, so it's good that the people are interested in uh, Japanese pro wrestling. Yeah, more and more, especially with this uh, AEW New Japan show coming up. I think a lot more people are going to be and a English interested. commentary and English play by play with pro wrestling and all. And sure, yeah. and uh, and uh, all the other cyber agent um, companies like DDT and Tokyo Joshi. Yeah, pro, then Star no Rome, delay, Bushiro no Rome. delay. Yeah, that the era we are living in. And I'm hoping that the old Japan will soon have English, you know, play-by-play and commentary, mm-hmm. and that will be marketed into English-speaking world. Mm. Hope so. All right, yeah, and I'm at Justin M Nipper K N I P P E R on Twitter. Um, that's it for now. So if you need to get at us, you know where to reach us. So until next time, so long from Tokyo.